0: Welcome to episode 21 of the Pursuing Endurance podcast. This week, we are going to be covering the topic of supplements. In this episode, we will discuss the regulation of supplements, what the term dietary supplement includes, some of the more common ones used in the strength and endurance world, as well as the current scientific literature behind these, and then a little Q&A with some questions that you all asked over on Instagram. So, if this episode sounds insightful to you, I invite you to have a listen. And without further ado, let's jump in. welcome to the pursuing endurance podcast i'm your host sarah Lacourse, a certified personal trainer and sports nutritionist with a degree in psychology who emphasizes the importance of focusing on the long game let's be real endurance doesn't just pertain to sports it's anything we endure as humans here on the podcast we will dive into topics ranging from sport mainly of the mountain endurance variety to entrepreneurship to eating disorder recovery oftentimes these pursuits will feel like climbing a mountain even if it's a metaphorical one i'm here to have conversations around embracing the process of enduring hard things and exploring the gray area that often comes with this i'm stoked to have you here let's jump in Hey, hi, hello, and welcome back to the Pursuing Endurance podcast. I am thrilled to have all of you here this week and be back with another episode. It's been really nice to be back on a regular bi weekly basis recording and producing episodes and getting them out here. I just absolutely love the creative container, which is podcasting, which I know I've talked about before, but I will say it again because it is just so deeply true. And you know, for a little bit, I say, you know, but you don't actually know this because I don't think I've ever shared this. For a while, I had thought about starting a YouTube channel with hiking and being able to then share things around hiking, mental health, strength training, nutrition, as it pertains to being on trail and all of that. But it just didn't feel right. It felt a little invasive to the kind of spiritual practice that is hiking for me. And so podcasting, made its way into my life. And I absolutely dig it. So just sharing that because I like to, you know, be real with all of you. So thank you so much for listening. And so before we dive into today's episode on supplements, there are just a couple of things that I would like to go over. The first is that Winter Strength launched October 17th. So this past Monday, if you're listening in real time, And if you are curious what Winter Strength is, it is a eight-week, two-times-per-week progressive strength training program that was specifically created for winter hikers and trail runners. The format of the Winter Strength Training Program is a downloadable PDF, and each movement in all of the workouts has a clickable link to a video demonstration of the movement, including variations and then a voiceover explaining form. And winter strength will be available throughout most of the winter season. I will likely close the doors to the program sometime in January. The intention behind opening it up in October is really to allow folks to get stronger before the winter season and then maintain that throughout the season in order to really help with injury prevention and just being a more well-rounded endurance participant because that just helps performance and it helps us feel better. So I'm into that. And the PDF guide itself is downloadable and it's 28 pages long. So there's a lot more content in there beyond just the workouts. If you are interested in learning more or signing up for winter strength, head on over to sarahlacourse.com forward slash winter strength. And I will link that below in the show notes. And then the next thing that I wanted to mention is Trail Nutrition 101. Trail Nutrition 101 is a guide which covers on trail nutrition. For folks who partake in hiking, backpacking, trail running, backcountry touring, really any trail-related endurance activity would be appropriate. And Trail Nutrition 101 is really a guide to help you have a better understanding of the fueling that your body needs on trail. And this will be available sometime the end of October or in November. And you can learn more and get on the wait list to save a few dollars if you are interested. By heading over to sarahlachors.com forward slash and just signing up for the email waitlist over there. And again, that link will be in the show notes. And on that note, let's now transition into today's episode. As I said in the introduction of this episode, we will be covering the topic of supplements today. And this episode is going to be about a mile wide and a quarter mile deep, if you will. What I mean by this is that I am going to be covering a variety of aspects to potentially consider around supplements and providing some context and current understanding, but I'm not going to be deep diving the history of supplements or the mechanism of action, aka how it works in the body of caffeine, for example. So we will cover a lot of things, but I'm not going to deep dive any of them. I'm just presenting you with some things to think about maybe a way to help all of this be less confusing because I think supplements can be really confusing and overwhelming. So hopefully this helps you with that if you are feeling those things. Some of the things that you can expect in this mile-wide episode are discussions around the safety and testing behind supplements, the regulation of them, what the term dietary supplement actually means some of the more common ones that are used in the strength and endurance realms, and also the current scientific literature that is available for these. And then we will wrap things up with a little Q&A from the Instagram. I had put up a question box on my stories last week asking if anybody had questions around supplements as this was going to be the next episode for the podcast. So a little shameless plug, if you're not following me on Instagram and have questions that you would like To be answered on the podcast, go follow along because I often will put up a question box if I think it's a topic that people might have questions around. So um, follow along. My Instagram is linked in the show notes. And then I just wanted to mention a quick little disclaimer this episode is for educational purposes only. And if you are interested in trying to include any of these supplements that I am mentioning in this episode, I urge you to talk to your physician or a registered dietitian, because those are the individuals that are really going to be able to help you in deciding if this is appropriate for you and your goals, and also the dosing that would be appropriate, or if any of these could interact with other supplements or medications that you are taking. So again, I am just providing you with some information. I am not telling you to take any of these things. And please consult with somebody that is able to help you in deciding if this is for you, if you are interested. And so let's now get into this episode. The first thing that I would like to just cover is really just defining what dietary supplement actually means. So dietary supplements are a broad category, which includes vitamins, minerals, herbs, botanicals, amino acids, enzymes, and other products. And they can come in a variety of forms. These include pills, tablets, powders, bars, etc. You can look up the definition of dietary supplements, but I did just want to go over that so we have an understanding of what I am covering today. And then also for the purpose of this episode, I will cover some points around supplements as a whole category. And then we will dive into really specifically covering a few which are often used or marketed in the strength and endurance realm. And because this podcast is really tailored to individuals who are partaking in endurance and or strength activities, I do just want to call out the fact that the fitness and diet industries do heavily market supplementation and supplement products. And there are so many companies out there with the next best thing or this product and they all have the same one and et cetera, et cetera. And it makes sense that this happens because individuals who are partaking in strength and or endurance training often have goals and some of these are performance goals and thereby create an excellent audience or market for these products to be sold to. And this is just the reality. This isn't all bad. It's just that, you know, as a consumer or an individual that is being marketed to, we should know the backstory, the safety, the regulation, efficacy, and just what could even be beneficial for us and our goals. So if you are feeling overwhelmed or confused, that is extremely understandable. And I hope to lend an assist in making the world of supplements a little less overwhelming. Let's now get into the regulation of supplements. Supplements are regulated by the Food and Drug Administration, so the FDA. Note that I did not say they are approved. Dietary supplements are not drugs, so they are regulated but not approved by the FDA. The FDA has a variety of regulatory policies around supplements. However, a company is able to manufacture and sell a supplement without any interaction with the FDA. Thus, a product can hit the market with pure trust in a company to do its due diligence with good manufacturing practices and product testing. And therefore really there is no guarantee that supplements on the market will be safe or effective. And I know this probably sounds awful and scary and, you know, being able to not trust companies, but there are ways that companies can absolutely become more trustworthy with the products that they're selling, which we are going to get into, I promise. But I did want to just cover the regulation of dietary supplements because that is an important thing for you all to know. And on that, a little bit of the history. So in 1994, the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act occurred, and this essentially states that companies who produce and distribute supplement products must accurately market these products, and also that the FDA can take action against any product that is inaccurately labeled or marketed after it is on the market or available for sale. And so you are free to go look up the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act of 1994 and also the FDA regulations as both are available on the FDA website. But this is just kind of an overview of the regulatory policies that are in place. And as I said, the FDA has regulatory policies around supplements and these often come into place after that product has been sold or hit the market. And so on that, how are some of the ways that we as consumers can do our own due diligence of making sure that what we take is safe and actually contains what we are paying for? One of the ways is to see what certification the individual product that you are looking at has. So there are many different certification seals that you may see on the labels of supplements that are in your pantry or at the store, and we are going to cover some of them. So please note that this is not an exhaustive list, and I'm really just going to go over the big hitters or the ones that I see most often and have the best testing in my own humble opinion. And so I'm quickly going to go over these, but essentially, when these certifications are on a label of a supplement, it really shows that the products are third party tested, which means that the product is tested by a third party lab to ensure the quality of that product. And just to cover it, a third party lab is a lab which is outside of the company, so it is unbiased. It is a lab that the company sends its products to to be tested. And then that third party lab tests it with no bias towards that company to see if the quality of the product is there. And so some of the third party certifications that you may see on supplement labels are consumerlab.com, NSF, USP, and informed choice. And of course, you are more than welcome to look up and familiarize yourself with these specific certifications and the organizations that are behind them. And like I said, that is not an exhaustive list by any means. Those are just the ones that I really wanted to mention because I see them most often. And so look them up if you would like to. And as I mentioned before, third party testing is really ensuring the quality of a product. And so when a product is tested by one of these, organizations that I just mentioned, it generally means that the product undergoes testing to ensure that it actually contains what is on the label, that the product doesn't contain contaminants or toxins, and also that the product does not contain illegal or prohibited substances. These are great things. And so essentially, we love us some third party testing when it comes to supplements. And we also love companies and brands that opt to undergo the rigorous testing to know that it is selling a quality product. And so, on that note, let's now get into the next thing that I wanted to discuss today, which is going over some of the most common supplements used and marketed in the strength and endurance scene. And just like when I went over the certifications that are possible, this is also not an exhaustive list. These are just some of the ones that are most common and ones that have a decent amount of scientific literature on them. And just to give you some insight before I dive into this on just generally how I'm going to structure this part of the conversation for each supplement I mention, I will cover what it is, the potential positives or benefits and the potential side effects or downsides. One factor I am not going to be getting into today is dosing recommendations because honestly it depends on a variety of factors for each individual person if you were to even take the supplements that I'm mentioning. And if you are interested in it, I would really urge you to do your own research and talk to a healthcare professional or a registered dietitian for dosing recommendations or somebody that is able to really help you with that for yourself and your own unique needs. And I will be linking all of the research articles referenced for this episode below in the show notes if you are interested in checking those out. And so the first supplement that I am going to cover is creatine. So what is creatine? First off, before I actually get into what it is, it's honestly probably the most well-studied supplement in my opinion, and it's fairly popular as well. When I first say creatine, any of you that listened to episode 20, you might be thinking about the phosphocreatine energy system that was mentioned, and that is accurate to do if you were thinking of that. And if you're like, what is she talking about? either go back to episode 20 after this, or I will quickly explain it now as well. So we have three energy systems within the body, and the phosphocreatine system is one of them, and it is also the first one to kick into place, if you will. And anyways, the phosphocreatine system relies on creatine stores, which the body does have creatine stored in it, However, we can also supplement with creatine to really maximize the creatine stores that are available. And then another thing to note about creatine is that it is comprised of three amino acids. Those are arginine, glycine, and methionine. And as I mentioned, there are creatine stores within the body And the body can produce creatine by way of the liver and kidneys as long as there is an adequate amount of those three amino acids that I mentioned, arginine, glycine, and methionine. And so again, as long as there is an adequate amount of those three amino acids, then the body will synthesize or create an adequate amount of creatine. However, additional supplementation is common for individuals that are participating in strength and or endurance activities due to the potential benefits of maximizing creatine stores. So essentially, what I'm saying here is that the body makes enough creatine. We have adequate amounts as long as we have enough of those three amino acids, which we most likely do. And we can additionally use creatine as a supplement to maximize stores for the performance and recovery benefits of it. And then quickly, just to mention before I get into the potential benefits or potential side effects, when it comes to supplementing with creatine, creatine monohydrate is the most common studied form of creatine, and it is also very common in the supplements that are on the market. So again, that is creatine monohydrate. So on that note, let's now get into some of the potential positives or benefits of creatine supplementation. And the first thing that I am just going to mention is that there are some positives or benefits of supplementing with creatine that are outside of the scope of strength and endurance training. But in this episode, I will be focused on the ones pertaining to strength and endurance training because that's the kind of lens that I work through with this podcast. And so I did just want to note that. So if you are interested in the other potential benefits, do check out the literature that is linked below where you can learn about that. And so the first one that I will get into is performance in strength athletes. And what this can look like is really allowing for a few more repetitions or seconds of work before the body really shifts into the anaerobic or glycolytic energy system, which again, I mentioned those in episode 20. But essentially, what I'm saying here is that having a maximal store of creatine could potentially allow strength-specific athletes to get in a few more seconds of work or a few more repetitions before the body shifts into the next energy system because the phosphocreatine system is the first energy system. And so by having those maximized stores, it gives the body a little bit more in that before shifting. And as I went over in episode 20, all of the energy systems are always at play. It's just that a certain one will always have predominance over the others. And so that's really what I mean here is that it allows for a little more time for the phosphocreatine system to really be the dominant of the three before shifting into another one being the dominant energy system. And then the next potential benefit of creatine supplementation is that it might be helpful for intermittent, high intensity, or longer endurance events. And then the last potential benefit that I'm covering is that creatine can help with recovery from training, and there is also some research suggesting that muscle damage could be reduced as well. And then in terms of some of the potential side effects or negatives of creatine supplementation, There are really not many, and the ones that are the most prevalent include bloating and stomach discomfort, which can really be alleviated most often by spreading the supplementation, so the dosage, across the day versus taking it at one single time or mixing it with more water. And so these are just two of the ways to mitigate the potential side effects of creatine supplementation. And on that note, let's now transition into the next supplement that I am going to be covering, which is caffeine. And I most likely just made a lot of people think of their morning cup of coffee or potentially a pre-workout supplement that contains caffeine. And so what is caffeine other than coffee or pre-workout? Caffeine is a naturally occurring stimulant of the central nervous system. And so what are some of the potential positives or benefits of caffeine supplementation? These can include a delay in time to fatigue. So there is an increased time frame before beginning to feel the onset of fatigue in a training session or in an event. And then another potential benefit is an increase in cognition, which can be especially helpful when sleep deprivation is present. And so caffeine can be especially useful for individuals who are participating in longer term endurance events by the potential delayed time to fatigue, a decreased perception of effort, so really feeling like you're not putting out as much effort as you are. And also pain suppression, so feeling less pain or an increased tolerance to pain. And so with caffeine supplementation, there really could be a benefit for both individuals who are partaking in strength or endurance activities or both. And then in terms of the potential side effects or negatives, caffeine can impact sleep quality. But usually, the time of day when consuming caffeine will reduce or increase this risk, depending again on the time of day. So, if you're taking it earlier in the day, it will reduce the risk. And if you are taking it later in the day, it could increase the risk. And this really does depend on your own body and its ability to metabolize caffeine. And then, some of the other possible side effects include anxiety, heart palpitations, increased blood pressure and headaches. And then the next supplement that I will be covering are BCAAs or branched chain amino acids. And so what are BCAAs? We have a total of 20 amino acids in the body and amino acids are really the building blocks for proteins. And of the 20 amino acids that we have, Three of them are branched-chain amino acids, and they are named due to their chemical structure. These three BCAAs are valine, leucine, and isoleucine. And when it comes to potential positives or benefits of BCAA supplementation, I really only have one to share because, honestly, there's just not enough research. And so the one that I have is a potential reduction in post-exercise fatigue or delayed-onset muscle soreness And you may have heard the phrase DOMS, and that is what delayed onset muscle soreness is. And then in terms of potential side effects, just like the potential benefits, there's just really not enough research, so I actually don't have anything to share. But I did want to go over BCAAs because I do know that they are a fairly common supplement in both the strength and endurance realms. So that's what I have for you on that. I'm sorry that that's probably not that helpful, but that's really just the reality. And again, I just wanted to cover them because I know they are popular. And if you were confused about what BCAAs are, now you have a better understanding of them. And then the second to last supplement that I will be covering in this episode is beta alanine. And so what is beta alanine? It is a non-essential amino acid, I will get into that in a second, which is produced by the liver, so it is endogenously produced or coming from within the body, which is why it is not essential because the body is able to produce it. On that note, however, we are also able to obtain beta alanine from foods, so this would be an exogenous source, meaning coming from outside of the body. And then as we are about to get into, we can also supplement with beta alanine, which would be another exogenous source or coming from outside of the body. Of course, if we are using it as a supplement that is coming from outside of the body. But now hopefully you understand the difference between endogenous produced or coming from within the body and exogenous coming from outside of the body. And before I jump into the potential positives, let's quickly go over how beta alanine works. Beta alanine works by increasing muscle carnosine concentrations, which can ultimately prevent the acid buildup in muscles, which will then contribute to fatigue when being used. And so beta alanine can increase the levels of carnosine in the muscles, which then ultimately will help with preventing the buildup of acid in the muscles during use, which contributes to fatigue. So essentially it is a multi-step process, which most things in physiology are, but beta alanine and especially beta alanine supplementation can really assist in preventing the acid buildup in the muscles when they are working. And so let's get into the potential positives or benefits of supplementing with beta alanine. The first is in high-intensity exercise performance, especially in activity in the 60 to 240 to 270 second range. So this would be one minute to four and a half minutes, respectively. And just to note, there is potential benefit in longer endurance activities, but The research is not as compelling as the shorter intervals that I just mentioned. And then another potential benefit is reduction in neuromuscular fatigue. So, what is neuromuscular fatigue? It is a decrease in a muscle's ability to develop force or power that is a result of exercise. Which let's think about this by going back to the explanation that I gave before around how beta alanine works. Ultimately, it can help prevent the acid buildup in the muscles, which contributes to fatigue when being used. And so therefore, a reduction in neuromuscular fatigue would make sense, because exercise uses the muscles. And then to go over the potential side effects or negatives of beta alanine supplementation, the primary two are itching or tingling of the skin But these could be alleviated by spreading supplementation across the day versus one time. So similar to creatine as we went over earlier in this episode. And then the last supplement that I am going to be covering today are electrolytes. And I'm not actually going to get that deeply into them because they need their own episode. But I wanted to go over them quickly. And so electrolytes consist of five minerals, which are sodium, chloride, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. And electrolytes are involved in overall fluid balance in the body and really obtaining the specific concentrations that are needed for things like skeletal muscle contraction, heart muscle contraction, nerve activity, and also moving nutrients into and out of the cells within our body. And so in this episode, I will not be getting into the potential positives or negatives of electrolyte supplementation, as it will be its own episode in the future, because based on some of the questions that I did receive on Instagram, which I'm about to get into that Q&A, electrolytes are kind of misunderstood. So I did just want to cover them quickly in case you were confused about what they are. And so on that note, let's get into the Q&A portion of this episode. I just have a couple of them. This should be fairly quick. And so the first one is, if I have a healthy diet, do I need to supplement? And like the theme with most of the questions that I got and answers I am about to give, it depends. As we already went over, this episode really is specific to supplements that individuals in the strength and endurance realms might benefit from. So looking primarily at sports specific supplements. And so I can't really say that you do or do not need a supplement because one, I'm not covering things such as like vitamin D, etc. And also I do not know you as a human and that is outside of my scope as a sports nutritionist. Really, you would need to consult with a registered dietitian to figure out if you are needing a supplement such as vitamin D, B vitamins, magnesium, fish oil, anything kind of of that nature. And in terms of sports specific supplements, again, really consulting with either a sports dietitian or somebody like me, but it would need to be on a one on one individual basis so that we are able to know your training style, your history, kind of what's going on for you, and whether this would be a safe option or not. And so my final answer on do you need supplements if you have a healthy diet is it honestly depends on so many factors outside of your overall nutrition. And then one of the other questions I got was, If I am using sports supplements, do I need to take them on days that I am training and also rest days or just the days that I am training? And it honestly depends on the supplement. If you do read up on the research on creatine, you will see that it is often recommended to take all of the days, so training days and rest days, in order to keep the stores of creatine up. However, other supplements could be different. And also that is not necessary for creatine. It really depends on your goals and also things like your budget, because again, it's a supplement. You are adding it and it costs money. So do you need to do it daily? No. Will the optimal result be achieved by daily use? Maybe. However, it's not needed. So it really depends on a variety of factors. And on that note, I would like to invite you to, you know, open up your mind, to some gray area thinking when it comes to supplements, because it is not black and white. And then another question that I received was around greens supplements or greens powders. And this is actually a conversation that I've had with a couple of friends recently. And this is really anecdotal and just my own opinion here, but I personally think that greens supplements have their own use and I think that supplementing with greens or using greens powders can really come into play in times of our lives where we are maybe traveling a lot or we are an endurance athlete or enthusiast and we have a season that is highly increased in endurance activity. Maybe we have some races coming up and some really big days, and we're not able to get in a lot of the micronutrients because we're eating more energy-dense trail foods that are needed. Let me just say that. But we also want to give our bodies some of the other nutrients that they might need. And so maybe a greens powder could be really applicable in that case, or again, in the case of traveling when Maybe accessibility to certain micronutrients isn't available. And so ultimately, I would say that potentially greens powders or greens supplements could be beneficial to you. Just it really depends on your life, your lifestyle, your goals, and your overall diet. And when I say diet, I mean it as a noun, not as a verb. And by that, what I am saying, what you overall eat, not that you are dieting. And then the last question that I'm going to cover is pertaining to pre and post-workout supplements. So in this episode, we did go over caffeine, which can definitely be used as a pre-workout. And then we also went over beta alanine, which is sometimes included in pre-workout supplements. And so those are the two that I will mention just because we did actually go over them here today and you might have a better understanding of them. And so on this, there are potentially benefits that you would obtain from caffeine and or beta alanine supplementation pre-workout. And then when it comes to post-workout, really the big one that I would say is honestly eating food, eating a meal that is comprised of a variety of macronutrients. So carbohydrates and protein are the primary two, and then a little bit of fat also as well. And there will be a future episode on protein supplementation. I thought about covering it today, but I realized, again, just like electrolytes, it needs its own episode. So protein supplementation post-workout is a potential. And again, that will be a future episode I will try to cover that one soon. And so on that note, that is what I will be covering in terms of questions in this episode. I did receive a few specifically around protein and electrolytes. And because those two topics are going to be getting their own episode in the future, I am not going over it in today's Q&A just because I didn't get into them enough in this episode to feel like I should really cover them in a question and answer format. And so look out for future episodes on those. I promise I will cover them. And then otherwise, I hope that this episode was helpful for you, whether you were curious about the regulation of supplements, what the certification seals that you might see on supplements in your pantry or at the store actually mean, and maybe if you are or were curious about any of these supplements that I mentioned and kind of their potential benefits or side effects. So I do hope that this episode was helpful and that you are able to take something from it and really apply it to your own life or learn something from it. And as always, if you found this episode or you find the Pursuing Endurance podcast to be helpful and beneficial to you and your own human experience, I invite you to leave a five-star review on either Apple or Spotify, and if you would be so kind to leave a written review on Apple, I would so appreciate it. It really just helps get the podcast into more ears and spread it further, which I ultimately love because I just want to help all of you. And then just two quick things to mention before closing this episode out. If you have not already subscribed to Monday Mindset, it is my weekly email on Mondays, which is a question, thought, or prompt to help you get your week started off with some fire under your tush to get and stay on your goals. So if you're interested in receiving Monday Mindset emails, you can head over to sarahlacourse.com forward slash Monday Mindset, which I will leave in the show notes. And then the other thing, this is brand new, like brand spanking new. So I have joined Buy Me A Coffee, which I will link below. It's similar to Patreon. And essentially, the idea is that you are buying me a coffee. And I do love my oat milk lattes. However, I will also appreciate donations that are just helpful for me continuing to create content for the podcast because I do pay to be able to Produce the podcast per month because I do have to pay a hosting fee. And so I would love if you, you know, buy me a coffee, which I can either use for the podcast or my caffeine needs in the form of lattes. Thank you, but also no pressure. I just wanted to mention it. And on that note, that is all I have for you today. And that is today's episode. So I hope that you are all doing well and taking care of yourselves. And I look forward to having another conversation again with you soon. Okay, bye.